Hey guys, what's up? It's ARW Raw, and I am here today with the incredible Christine Barger. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm amazing. I just got back from Miami from the Music Swipe Founding Artist Weekend, so very hectic and just got boba spayed, so it's a little bit of a crazy madhouse week, but that's how we are. You know, we just got to hustle and get your things done. How about you? What what have you been up to? Uh, I have been busy doing uh, my social media stuff, and then I had a weird audition yesterday that about knocked me out for the whole day pretty much really what was the audition it's um first show which i can't mention obviously uh, but, yeah <laughs> but i um i had to cry but not just cry i had to ball my eyes out for like the whole scene oh and no i don't know why everybody's doing so much construction right now but the neighbors decided like the building next door decided that it was time to do construction and like, I think they had a wood chipper. I don't know. It was weird, but it was loud. And so every time I would start getting, it was great. And I was like, oh, this is good. And then there'd be like this terrible noise. And so I had to start oh, over. No. And so I had to just keep crying and crying. I was like, shut up. Because seriously. Oh my like, God. That sounds like the life of someone who's a ventriloquist slash actress though. Because like, <laughs> honestly, and like a social media influencer, like I know you have like almost 1 million TikTok followers. So we'll get into that later. But like, how do you film like that and like make all your auditions when there's so much dang noise all the time? It's awful. Like, cause I live in an apartment complex in Los Angeles. And so it's not like I can just be like, Oh, go be quiet next door. Like, it's not like, you know, it's one neighbor in a house where I could say, Hey, do you mind keeping it down for a few minutes? No. I mean, it's just like every direction there's noise and then there's helicopters and I think there's an air path above us. So it takes me so much longer to do filming than it should, but it's simply because of the noise issues around me. And I yeah, don't because want... you do such good like character voice. I was going to say, like, it must be stressful to like have to keep repeating and starting over with your videos. <laughs> I have one video I filmed at the park pre pandemic where my dummy is sitting on my lap on a swing and there's like sirens going by and everything. And she just like snaps and just yells at them. She's like, just everybody be quiet. We're trying to make a video here. She's like, was... shut up. I love the video of like um the videos of your skunk puppet as well as or dummy rather. I don't we'll go He's through a puppet. terminology. Puppet. Okay, puppet. Um, but then I love the like bird one and like the ball pit that you did. I love when they're like reading stories or like talking to people. Like I think it's really cool that you do all this stuff, you know. Well, thank you. They're they're all puppets. Uh and Darlene Yeah, what's the difference between a dummy and a puppet? I do not know. I'm not the a dummy, I have one dummy that I use mainly, which is Darlene. That's the girl. She's a wooden figure. And that's really what people tend to call a dummy. They're wooden figures. Oh, and then the, the puppets are the ones that are like soft and look like they belong on the Muppet Show or Sesame Street. Oh, I see. Okay. So like what videos do you do when? Does it affect? Does, does something about that like affect when you do videos or not? Uh, I mean... Kind of. I own the rights to Darlene. So if it's something that like I have to own the rights, like um, Pen and Teller Fool Us, for example, I need yeah. to really have permission to use the figure on the show before I even audition. I wanted to make sure that that's cleared. So I use Darlene. I mean, I use Darlene anyway because she's the one who does magic. But if even if she wasn't the one who did magic and mentalism, I would have had to have found out if I could use one of the other puppets. Oh, God. So it's a big pain because I have to clear Stunkles and Darwin the bird. I have to clear them with the company that made them before I can use them anytime. They always have to sign off on all the TV appearances. And what about the uh, social media, like new media content? Um, Steve doesn't care that much. So most of that is fine. Like if I was booking a gig where I was making a, a, like a lot, a lot of money and then, they, then was, they're like, Hey, we need a percentage girl. Yeah. I mean, it was going to be super featured, like on some, something else. Like if Amazon was going to use it in like their online socials, then I'd probably have to clear it. But for just like TikTok, he doesn't care. I totally feel you. It's like, okay, well it's promotion at that point. Like if it's social media. Yeah, usually they just ask that um, they're credited in the credit. So like Dr. Phil, I think it was one of those talk shows that asked if they could use one of my videos that they saw on TikTok. And I said, well, I have to clear it with Steve first. Hold on. And then they were like, yeah, just tell them to give us credit on the end credits if they'll do that. And they said, of course, we'll do that. I'm like, great. So then they got permission. But 
if he said no, then, or I had to pay them, I would have been like, no. That's so ineffective, like, cost-wise. Like, that would just make no sense for you. Like, at that point, you would make your own puppets. <laughs> right. Well, and I have tried. I'm just not very, like, that's not one of my skill sets is making puppets. Um, I, I also you. had one commissioned, like, specifically what I wanted to be made. But then um, when it came, it was much bigger than I realized I had said I wanted because I thought I was really clear on how big I wanted it. But it was really huge. And so I was kind of stuck going, well, I can't even use this because I have carpal tunnels. So there's only so much oh, weight wow. I can handle on my hands. Oh, wow. Is that from using so many puppets? Yeah. Well, okay. Like, let me back up for one second before we go into this. I just want everyone on this podcast to know, like, Christine and I met when I was doing my taxes for my rap industry stuff at the post office in Hollywood, of course. And you never know who you're going to meet in line, like at the post office. And then when you told me you were a ventriloquist and you were on iCarly, I knew exactly who you were, like instantly. And like, it was so crazy to me to meet you because I didn't even realize like how niche like your industry is. It's crazy. Like, what is that like, like being a ventriloquist in hell? And what is it like being a ventriloquist in Los Angeles? Um, I mean, Los Angeles is full of so many weird people that it's not like anyone looks at me and, and goes, oh, that's such a strange job you have. Like, people are just kind of like, oh, another entertainer. When I was doing it in the Midwest, it was different. People would be like, oh, that's so cool. That's weird. Like how'd you get into that? And they'd have all these questions and they'd care a lot. But usually in LA, it's pretty much like, oh, whatever. Everybody's an entertainer of some sort. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Although I did have one casting director that really loved that I did ventriloquism. And so for a, it was a callback, I went ahead and I brought the puppet to show her because she was just so curious about it. And she freaked out and loved it. And then she had me like show the producers the puppet. Like I was like, okay, so Stunkles got to audition. But I didn't book it, so I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I feel you. It's That's crazy. Like, how did you become a ventriloquist? How did this start? I started when I was really, really young. Um, I didn't know ventriloquism was a skill or anything. I just started talking to my teddy bear and making him talk to other people. Because this little girl at the Ronald McDonald house where we lived at the time uh, had a, giz a gizmo, a gremlin doll that oh, used to you. whisper in her ear and wouldn't talk to me because he didn't like me and it hurt my feelings. And I said, you know, it's not very nice. I don't think your doll's really talking. She's like, yeah, he is. And I'm like, well, my teddy bear talks to everybody out loud where you can hear it, but he won't talk to you because he doesn't like you. And that was kind of what happened. Uh, it was really just kind of a way for me to cope with all the stress of everything going on with my brother being in the hospital. And then he passed away when he was three. Whoa. I'm really sorry to hear that. Thank you. Uh, it's it's one of those things, though, that like I um I grew from that experience. And yeah, like it, it helped you grow. Like, like, I, I don't mean to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I mean, to make you feel like pity or whatever. But like, it's incredible that you conquered that moment and you didn't let it define you. And like, you've gone way past that. And you you never let it bring you down because I know so many I'm from Bethesda originally, Bethesda, Maryland. So I'm really used to like so many people doing things. And then something bad happens to them. So then they just give up. But it's really inspiring to see people, especially out here like you, hustling. And like, no matter what terrible things have happened to you or what things have gone on in your life, you know, you don't let it stop you from going after your goals. And like, you let that inspire you that moment. That's incredible. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, basically, what was the kind of defining moment that I said, I'm going to do this for a living was I was performing ventriloquism for kids at a Shriners grief camp for kids who oh, lost wow. loved ones. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I was really young and I was just sharing my story and trying to make them laugh. I was just like, I'm just make these people laugh because I know how hard this is and I want people to be happy. And um, these kids were talking about how much of an inspiration it was. And they wrote me letters in crayon saying, you know, I'd inspired them. They could do anything. And and I thought, well, Incredible. this is what I should do with my life. I should help inspire people and make them realize that even though bad stuff happens, like you can still move forward and, and have a good life. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. you don't let it stop you. Like, my mom's brother, unfortunately, passed due to suicide because he was on um, stroke medications to be able to drive. And, like, people were always like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because it, like, happened right while I was graduating high school. And it kind of, like, overshadowed everything. Like, mm -hmm. and, you know, it kind of, like, um, people were expecting me to, like, just kind of not go to California, not go to USC, 
not follow through with things just because of how traumatic it was and how big news it was because he was pretty big in like our community but you know my family and everyone in my life was like I just wanted you to succeed and like he wouldn't want that for you and like I fully think like your brother would have wanted you to be a ventriloquist and wanted you to be inspired by that and like not let it bring you down like part of why I became a musician is because my uncle was a really big musician and he managed Bruce Springsteen's guitarist for most of his life so it really inspired yeah it really inspired me like seriously and coming from a long line of like Jewish people who were successful and stuff it was very daunting to me to be like oh my god wow I'm gonna be an artist you know what I mean it's like whoa but it's like I, I really went for it because I was like that's what he would want like you could literally die tomorrow. Like you could wrap your car around a tree and just like die like right now, like going down the freeway. You know what I mean? Like anything could happen. Like, so, you know, don't ever like, I guess, live life, um, taking things for granted. You have to live life to the fullest, which is part of why I say yes to so many opportunities and why I go for everything. And I see it the same way. Like when we met in the post office, our energy is instantly connected. Like I sound like some spiritual person or whatever, but like, I'm actually a yoga teacher. Um, and I used to teach sculpt at core power yoga in Maryland and in California. Mm -hmm. like I've really connected with people in that way like in the spiritual plane and I feel that you know you've been through a lot but it's like you didn't let it stop you and you you move forward and and when we met it seemed like you were like really stressed and stuff like about some whatever it was in the moment but you seem really confident and that's how you really come across on social media like you seem like you're running around to all these crazy auditions working on your new projects working on top secret things you can't talk about all that but you still like keep your head above water and you keep getting it done you know it's hard it's hard like I know a lot of people couldn't so you know, uh, kudos to you, man. You're awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. I don't always feel like my head's above water, but right, we don't. <laughs> there's, there's definitely those days, like yesterday, where I was just like exhausted because I've been crying all morning. Where I was like, I'm just going to bed. I can't do this. I just, I gotta go to bed for a little while. <laughs> yeah, literally, right. That's how I feel all the time. Like I'm gonna sleep 14 hours. Oh, I am. I'm like totally loving my weird little Fitbit thing where it tells you about your sleep, like how well you slept. Yeah, like I used to have a Fitbit. I don't have one anymore. Is it worth it? I don't know. I'm obsessed with checking how well I slept the night before when I wake up in the morning. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I'm like, did I sleep well? <laughs> Instead of just knowing like my like, body, I like want to check the, the app and see if the app said I slept well. I feel that like it's like you have to check like did you sleep well or not like let's see but you know I think as artists it's really hard for us to be able to do this type of stuff because it's like you're always doing all sorts of crazy hours and then as we both know you know when you're working on set you could have to be there at 3 a.m. they don't even use you till 2 then you're still there till 10 p.m. so you know that's sometimes how it goes. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know, I would love if you could tell my fans, the Westies, some more about how, you know, your career developed from from meeting this girl with the doll and having that sort of interaction to being here now where you've been on so many TV shows. Um, And, you know, I know you're really humble, but I'd love if you could list off a few of the TV shows and projects you've done that people would know and, you know, be able to uh, refer to with your career. Uh, Sure. I am. Well, I did the the show for the kids at the Shriners Grief Camp, and then I was, like, determined that I just wanted to make people laugh. So I thought, well, what else can I do besides just the puppets? And I got into theater, and I started doing theater through, like, my church and high school, and then I decided to major in theater in college because I really liked it. And so I went to... Actually, I auditioned at DePaul University in Chicago was my number one choice for schools. But I got so nervous at the audition that, like, I couldn't, I just couldn't audition. I mean, I, I was there right. in the room, but I was looking at them and they were like, what's your name? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know my name. Yeah, like, I feel that. Like, I, I did that like, audition once. I was like, I, 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 then I just, like, walked out. <laughs> Yeah, I just stood there trying so hard to, like, get through my monologue for the audition. It was just like, I don't remember what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. I'm so nervous. (laughs) Which was the first time and one of the only times I'd ever really been, like, really, really nervous. And so they offered me a scholarship for, like, science. And I said, no, I want to come here for theater. So I ended up going to Ball State University instead, which is my second choice. And that was great. That's where David Letterman went to college. And so, you know, it's got a good telecommunications department and a great theater department and um there were opportunities while I was in college to study abroad and I did that and then I decided to study 
it was like technically study abroad program, but it was within the U.S. And I got to study at Cal State LA for the last quarter semester of my college. And so I was out in LA studying at Cal State and doing like my basic core classes that I actually hadn't finished yet, like PE and math and stuff that I still had to do. And I was just kind of like, well, let me see about doing extra work and kind of figuring out what it's like out here to work in the industry. And I um, I ended up booking like my first time on set, I was an extra in Freaky Friday. And I met a oh, bunch wow, of- Oh, wow, what? He was, yeah, like the, the new, like not the new, new one, but the, I guess the one with Lindsay Lohan. Oh my God. So I worked on what that. What a queen. I worked on that as an extra and it was like just through central casting, but they paired uh, us up with that. a bunch. I, I was just on a Nick show last week. I feel you. It's like, that's how it is. It's just so, it was just fun. Like, you know, there were all these other people there and they put us in these huge groups. Cause it was like the scene where they drop her off in front of the school, but she's really her mom. I thought, I don't know. Anyway. I got yeah, 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 people yeah. and I spent the whole day talking to these strangers and became friends with them and then spent the night at their house or their apartment and went to an open call the next day. Oh my God. For background for something else. And I was like, this is really fun. And I ended up booking a, like a singer's contract from that, that open call for background. Um, and so I got to have heart lead and I got, Oh my be, God, that's amazing. Yeah. I got to be on a singer's contract for my very first, like, real job and um and it was lip singing anyway they didn't want me to actually sing but it was in a scene with philip seymour hoffman in a movie called along came polly and that was the first time that i like was technically an, an actor in hollywood um and that was super fun and i mean philip seymour hoffman was amazing and it was an incredible cast r.i.p to such a great actor right uh just such a great person too and i was just heartbroken when he passed but um it was one of those like experiences where i'm like well that was easy. <laughs> you know, when you like come to LA, everybody tells you how hard it is. And I was like, I got my Taft Hartley on my first audition. It wasn't even, like incredible. a real audition. How did you even get Taft Hartley on your first thing? It's like, what? Well, it's so funny because literally um, it was because I was nice to someone. That's how you do it though. Like my boyfriend got Taft Hartley and he's, he just became SAG like last week. Oh, congratulations, boyfriend. Oh, yeah, you'll meet him, Jordan. He's awesome. He got Taft Hartley actually back in 2018 on Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was working <gasps> background on that. Awesome. Yeah, and it and it went really well. It it went really well for him. You know, it's it's a good name to have on your uh, resume, of course. And, you know, you can never go wrong with a Taft Hartley. It makes you look much better than just collecting your cards and it taking a while. Um, yeah. I think it's honestly a much cooler situation to be in. <laughs> I work background a lot, so... You know, I'm trying to get my Tab Hartley girl. I'm trying to be on a rap music video where the guys are like, oh, you look so hot. Let me give you this Tab Hartley. Like, you just see, like, that one person who, like, thinks you're cute or, like, fun or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, I'll go behind the scenes and get it done for you. <laughs> well, good luck. I know it's a very difficult process, even though for me, it, it I just lucked out. <laughs> I mean, like, I was in the right place at the right time. This poor woman had had just the worst day ever. I'd never been to an open call before. I'd only worked background one day in my life. Like, I had no idea how people behaved around that sort of thing. And she had to call 911 because there was a fist fight in the line waiting to get in. And, like, she just had had the worst day. And so I, like, made a joke and smiled at her and was just, like, trying to make her happy because that's what I like that's my nature is I want just people to be happy and I don't know I guess I'm a people pleaser but <laughs> but I was just like I just wanted to make her smile and I did and she remembered me and she called me and she's like would you like to audition for a for a singer's contract and I was like oh, oh okay you were like why not you were like let's do it like I well I actually went I have gym class at that time so I don't think I can make it she's like you should miss gym class for this and I was like okay <laughs> you were like oh I'm down so I went and I got to meet the director and did the audition and he actually cast me because she liked me so much. She told him he should cast me because I couldn't sing. I was, again, this was one of those times where like, I don't get nervous often, but when I do it's catastrophe. And like, I got so nervous. I couldn't sing on pitch. Like I was singing, but it was not on pitch or on key at all. Oh, it was yeah. bad. And he was just kind of looking at me like, well, she's got some, 
some dedication there, but boy, yeah, and it's like sing. it's like I feel like he saw something in you, but it's like you know what I mean. Like it has that moment where you're like, no, you didn't do your very best, and you, but you were like trying your hardest in the moment, genuinely. Well, and I was, I was trying so so hard, uh, and she asked me to tell him about how much I like liked because it was Jesus Christ Superstar. And it was my favorite musical. Yes. Um, and so I was like, it's my favorite musical. I know every song in the show. What song do we to sing? You know, and the girl I was auditioning against was exactly what he asked for. He wanted a tall, black, like beautiful singer. That's what he wanted. And oh, Jesus. she brought me up against the tall, beautiful black singer who sang an aria, like an opera aria. And I'm over here just like, try not to get worried. Try not to and I'm like singing my heart out terribly. And so he ended up making me lip sing so I could do the role because he didn't want me to really sing because oh I was my God. terrible. <laughs> so on set, Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, John, can you just let her sing, please? So I can hear her. It's hard to do with the earbuds. And he's like, no, Philip, we're not going to have her sing. <laughs> oh, my God. You were like mortified. I'm sure you're like, oh, I was. You're but... like, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Seymour. I'm such a bad. I'm such a bad dad. I'm just I'm like, I, can, I really can sing. I can. I was just nervous. It was my first audition. But when like, I take it back to my first audition, oh. I feel you. It's like you it's like you open your mouth and your throat just like chokes and closes. It's like, yeah. okay. Well, you're just like, well, I don't know what to expect. I, this is a big deal. Like people try their whole lives for this. And I I mean, I felt I think I felt like I didn't deserve to be there because I was new to town and all these other people I'd met were talking about how hard it was to get auditions and like I literally got an audition at an open call for background and like booked it, got my Taft Hartley. And I was like, why? This is so easy. And then I felt guilty. Like it shouldn't be this easy. It's so hard for everybody. So I had a really hard time like grappling with that. But I feel after, that after that, I like didn't work for uh, like a while, <laughs> like years. Then I got an agent. Then I started working. Why didn't um, you work for years? Like what happened? Uh, well, I didn't really have any credit. Like, I got in the union, but I had no credits. I didn't join right away, but I, I mean, I was, you know, I was SAG eligible, but I'd only worked on that one job, and I really didn't even speak in it. Like, I was just singing in it, but I wasn't even really singing in it. I was just kind of lip singing in the in the movie, you know. Yeah, like, you were just, like, playing the singer. Yeah, so I was just kind of like, wow, this, I like, I don't have any credits. And then, except for, like, you know, college and high school plays, but I had only been on TV one other time back home and that was for a commercial and you don't put that on your resume. So I was just like, I have no credits. So nobody yeah, wanted to grab that, me. That's a hard place to be in because you, you, you've already done so much, but at the same time in their mind, you've done nothing. Right. Because you come to LA and you're like, you were a big fish back home in a small town and you come to LA. Yeah, like, like, like I totally feel that. It's so hard. It's like, how could you, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then I, I got a job in real estate accidentally. I started doing temp work to, to pay my bills because I was doing background work, but it was getting really exhausting. And then I did telemarketing for a while. I'm and sure. That was exhausting. So then wow. I was like, I'm just going to do some temp work at this at this real estate building. And they liked me so much. They hired me full time. And then they promoted me like six months later. And so I was working at the corporate office as an admin assistant to like these big shots at this big big uh, real estate company and I was making good money and like I had a cool apartment in Santa Monica that was walking distance to work like on Third Street Promenade so like I don't know I was just like this is great but then I started to go you know this is like you I'm felt like for. it was great but you were like you were like you kind of lost your purpose because like my boyfriend and I've worked jobs like that before where it's like wow the money's great like it's really really moving everything forward but like you kind of lose sight of like what you're doing it for you know what I mean yeah and like I was running a theater I was helping run a theater company at the time so I was still like acting but I wasn't doing tv and film and I was like if I want to do theater I could have stayed back home in like Chicago or something like I, this isn't why I'm here so I quit my job I gave notice and I auditioned at Universal and I became a dancing monkey so I had um a job in entertainment even though it it wasn't like the job I wanted. It was a job in entertainment and it was flexible and it was all actors. So I was networking and then I got in class and then I started booking work and I got an agent and then I was working and it was great. And then I did like, um, I was in a rock opera where I see, I can sing. I got cast in a rock opera. Oh my uh, God. That's awesome. So I was in a rock opera, like a live show in LA and I booked uh, Maid of Honor with uh, Patrick Dempsey, and I booked um, 
American Pie Presents Beta House. Like, oh my God. Back to back while I was doing the rock opera. And, oh, through Central or through like your agent? No, like through my agent. Like, like speaking oh, big, big roles. Uh, Maid of Honor was not a big role, it was a small role in a big But film. it's still a good movie. Yeah, like I play this psych- psych- psycho blogger. I could not speak. Psycho blogger where I like go up to Patrick Dempsey's character in the um, uh, wedding reception and for his dad. And I'm like there like trying to talk to him and Michelle Monaghan's like giving him a hard time. And it's oh the my moment God. where they give the backstory of their relationship because of me coming up and stuff, but it was really fun. It was just like, you know, one scene, but it was a really fun scene. And then I booked the, one of the, the lead roles at 28 days on American pie. Oh my God. Like this sounds like dream roles, right? Like it was super fun. Uh, weird. Well, it was weird because they told me that they were going to interview me and then I didn't hear anything for a month. And then I booked maid of honor and I was like, okay, that's cool. It was just a couple days. And then, I um I was doing the rock opera, so I was busy. And then I get a call on opening night, I think it was, or the night before opening night. And um, it was my my agent, and they were like, well, they want you to go for a fitting, for a hair fitting. And I'm like, it's been a month since the audition. What do you mean? They're still considering me? She's like, yeah. And so I had to go get my – I had to go have them look at my hair between, like, our final dress and our opening night. Um, like, that afternoon. Oh, my God. And that's ridiculous. To go do it because they were like, you have to go today. So I went and then they were like, yeah, it's fine. And then I came back and then they called and they said, we want you to leave. I think it was like in two weeks or something. And you're going to be in, in Toronto for, for three months. And I was like, uh, okay, cool. And so like I finished the show, the run of the show. And because it was a short run. And then they took that show and they went to off Broadway in New York with it. But I couldn't go with them because I was in Toronto. <laughs> Oh my god. Which was fine with me. I'd much rather, you know, I'd much rather be in Toronto working on a film than in New York in weather doing a live show. So I know you're just like whatever, like let's do it. But yeah, it was was great. My career, right? And I and I loved I love Toronto. Toronto's such a nice place and the people are so nice and the Sutton Hotel where we lived was just so awesome and having someone come in and just do like turn down service is amazing in your room. Right, like, that's the best. Turn down service is the mood. Yeah, and like I, you know, I had a little kitchenette and I would do like I would cook stuff or whatever and then I'd go to set and I'd come back and someone had done all my dishes and I was like this is amazing. This is the life. <laughs> You were like, I want this. Forever. Like, I'm just going to live in a hotel from now on. I know. And, like, I feel like that's how celebrities live. Like, they just, like, go home and, like, their, like, maid has already done all the beds and all the kitchen right. stuff. And, you, you know, I get home and my cat's made and I'm, like, doing the dishes and my boyfriend's, like, cooking food. And we're, like, it's, like, a huge mess. And it's, like, everything's on top of each other. And you're, like, oh, if we could just be in a hotel and someone was doing all of this for us. Right. <laughs> Is that how you feel with your husband and your cats and everything, just kind of living on top of each other after the experience of living in the hotel and having these people take care of you like that? I mean, it was a while ago, and I had a lot of years in between that and getting married. So, <laughs> um, but I do, I mean, definitely during the pandemic, staying home all the time with him being home all the time and the cats like, why are you both home all the time was a little challenging. Yeah, that that's sometimes weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because our, it's our, it's interesting because our cat was born in September, so she doesn't know anything different than being with us all the time. So she like cries when we leave. Aww. I know. Yeah. Like she's like a little dog. Like she's like she like can't be away from us. No, our girls were both well, Bagheera, the the older one, she was left at a pet shop when she was like two days old and they bottle fed her until she was old enough to be adopted and we adopted her. But Stitch was a street wow. cat. And she lived on the street, and we're pretty sure we know where she came from. And, and the woman that had her died um, down down the street from us. Mm-hmm. And the guy who came back for the place, like, we're pretty sure he's just threw all the cats out on the street. Because they were all living in the basement of this house. So oh, we're pretty no. sure that that's where she came from. But yeah, she's a rescue out. as well. I understand that. She's a rescue. My, my cat was found under a dumpster, and she had a scratch yeah. through her head because she's the runt. So it was really hard. Yeah, well, so Stitch was like, by the time we finally decided to take her in, she was pretty much full grown. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's completely different. She was like already 
grown up and everything. Yeah, I mean, like, she was a kitten, I think, when they threw her out, because we saw the kittens around the neighborhood, and everybody was feeding them, and we all, like, nicknamed them, and we knew all those stray cats. But the, the neighbor uh, building, the manager of the building next door, he called animal control on her one day, and I'd been feeding her, and so I just picked her up. Like, I just picked up a feral cat and put it in the carrier, and that's, like, one of the only times she's ever scratched me, because she got scared in the carrier, but... I just took her to the vet and said, hey, check her out. Is she okay to bring home? She doesn't have anything weird that's going to get my other cat sick. And she's like, no, she's good. And so I was like, well, we'll take her to a rescue over the weekend. Yeah. And then she's lived with us ever since. (laughs) I love that. We never took her to any rescue. They're like, we'll take her. Well, Bagheera loved her. Like, we tried to get a second cat at one point to rescue a kitten for Bagheera, but she just hated that kitten, and she would beat it up, and she's so mean that we ended up, when we took it back to get fixed, we were like, you know what? We'll pay for it to get fixed and everything, but can you just find her a good home? Because she's getting, like, my cat's just not okay with her. Like, they're not getting along. Yeah. And we didn't know how to introduce cats back then. Like, I've learned since then, but Stitch, I had been petting outside for a while, so Bagheera was already oh, used to her scent. So she already smelled her. Yeah. So she was fine with her. And, like, she gets mad at her sometimes. Like, she gets more cuddles than Bagheera does. Bagheera will come over and whack her in the face. But only oh, when she gets her. jealous. That's pretty much it. Like, she's not, like, super mean. And Stitch can hold her own because she's bigger than Bagheera. But she's not as old. She's just bigger because she's a fat, fluffy cat. And Bagheera's I like, love that. Not. So. I love little baby cats who are fat. <laughs> I'm such and... a crazy cat lady. Like, oh my god. Oh, me wanna... too, girl. People think I'm like a, I'm a hard rapper. Then they see I have cats. They're like, you ain't hard. <laughs> I have to tell you about the stray cat that is out back. What? So, there's this stray cat out back of this place that I hang out a lot, and um. It, I've been feeding it because it's really pretty. It's blue and pink and it's beautiful. And I'm like, this is a stray cat that is beautiful. And I don't think it belongs to anybody. So I'm going to, I'm going to get it where I can pet it. You know, like I'm determined to be able to pet the stray cat. So I feed it. Yeah. And I was feeding it. And then one night I went out, this was like Saturday. This is like last weekend. This is like Saturday. So I go out and I'm like, it's dark. It's like nine o'clock. And I was like, Oh, I forgot to check and make sure I didn't need to add more food. And so I go out. I'm like, oh, there's a new cat over there. I didn't, have my, I didn't have my glasses on. And I was like, there's a kitty. It's so pretty. There's a new kitty. And I'm talking Ooh, to it. And like your, your husband's like, no more. <laughs> so I'm over there. And my husband and his friend are like, um, you know, stop feeding ran- random cats. But I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to keep doing it. So I walk out. And I'm like, kitty, kitty, you're so cute. You're pretty. You little black kitty. You little black kitty. You little white and black kitty. And I get close enough, about two feet, where I can actually focus because I have really terrible eyesight. I get close enough and yeah. I realize it's not a cat. It's a skunk. Oh, my God. I straight walked up to a skunk going, oh, you're so cute. you do so cute. Like, yeah. It looked at me like I was crazy. You were it like, not I am me. crazy. Yeah. Like, it didn't spray me, but it straight, like, gave me that look. Like, Is that what, what inspired you to get gone? you the, 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 um, the skunk puppet? Oh no no! This this was this literally happened this past week. <laughs> oh my god! So that was meant to be like you've been on that skunk life, girl. It's you've so been funny. got that skunk life since day one. You got Pepe canceled, <laughs> but he's so cute. Oh no! The skunk's name is Stunkles because um, Stunkles. Yeah, be- because my um my my best friend growing up had a son named uh, Alex, very sweet kid, who, when he was very little, could not say skunk. And <laughs> he said stunkle. He's like, look, it's a stunkle, or I smell a stunkle. Like, he just couldn't say skunk for whatever reason when he was really little. I mean, he's a teenager now, but I've been, I've been playing teenagers. I'll just say this. I started playing teenagers on TV when I was 28. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? So when I booked uh, Wizards. And it's crazy because it's like the industry tricks people into thinking these people are how teenagers should look. But it's like 25 or 28 year olds or whatever. Yeah. Like I I, I booked Wizards of Waverly Place when I was 28. Why? I did iCarly I when I was 32 when I did iCarly. Oh, nice. And what were your roles on those? I used to love those shows. Oh, my God. I was a high schooler. <laughs> You were just like a person in the high school and they were just like, no. okay. Um, well, in Wizards, I was in the Happy Helpers Club. I was Helen. 
but they cut most of our scenes, and I think they cut all my dialogue from the final. So what? That's how they always do it. Whenever, whenever they give me a line, they just like take it out. It's like thanks. But um, for iCarly, I was the guest star for the episode where I came in and um, I was Sam's friend from Juvie. Oh I was- yeah. I remember you! So yeah, I was uh, Dana Bukowski, the girl who like had the smash party and threw plates against the wall. The smash party, I remember that. And then, um, what was his name? Freddy? Yeah. He came over, I remember that. Yeah, they all came over and like, like, give us this. (laughs) So it was super fun. That's what most of the kids on TikTok know me from. I mean, that's that's the vibe. Yeah. I how do you get to almost a thousand followers? Like obviously you're talented, but like what challenges did you do to get there? Um or did you just make cool like ventriloquist videos and stuff? So for TikTok, I mostly just do ventriloquist stuff. I mean, now that I have a little bit older audience, because when I started it was musically, so everybody was like eight. Oh right. So I mean it was like four years ago, I think, when I started musically. So I was doing all puppet videos back then. And then um, once the TikTok bought Musical.ly and then it started being more adults on the app, I started talking more about like my acting career and stuff that I was doing. And and they were really interested. So right now my content is is some ventriloquism, but it's also right. some, like just talking about like when I worked on Superstore. Uh, a couple months ago, I was like, hey, guys, I'm on set for this. And people were like, oh, that's so cool. I love Superstore, you know. Uh, oh, I was saying, Glenn, so Glenn made a video just for my husband that was super sweet where he squished his head. And I was just like, oh, you were the most kind person. And like, I, I love Glenn. the best experience on that set. But I was really sad to find out that they were ending the show because I didn't realize they were ending the series when I booked it. Oh, yeah. And so it was a weird vibe there because people were kind of sad you know like they were you were like why is everyone so sad well yeah it was really nice but it was like everyone was kind of sad and I was like this is weird and then I realized like they only had two episodes left yeah that's the hard part I feel like Um, when you're on a set and it's like the closeout it's like so sad yeah I had a friend who worked on the final episode I think it was and he mentioned like that he didn't have as good of an experience and I just said well you got to give them some slack I mean that was their last episode I know it's hard like I was on a masterminds on game show network right before Alex Trebek died so it was really intense because um the trivia mastermind Ken Jennings took his place as the host of Jeopardy but it was Uh as he was kind of like in hospice and stuff um and I actually was on I was actually starring on that show the day the election was happening so it was all very crazy stuff going on at once and the set was just like this terrible energy even though it was fun people and fun hosts and everything it was like you know what I mean it was like depressing like you feel you feel the bad vibes and I can't imagine what it felt like ending um Superstore such like a monumental show that had such a big fan base like how was it like Speaking with those actors, like, do you think that's why um, Glenn made a video for you? Because he was like, whatever, Evan, it's the last episode. No, I just think he's a really nice guy. Um, he seems think, very sweet. And I genuine. think he would have done that no matter what. I mean, he was just so sweet. And he was so friendly. And just like, and he knew who I was, which I thought was really cool. Because it's not like they have to go and look you up on IMDb when they see your name on the call sheet. Like they could just be like, whatever, I don't know that person and I'm doing the scene and go home. They'd be but like, he, I don't care. I just leave. But, they but didn't. He, he didn't, he like, he like knew that I was a ventriloquist. Like he knew who I was. Like it was really just so cool. And I felt really, really welcomed on the set, which isn't Incredible. always the case when you're just a co-star, you know, like, and it's, yeah, it's not like they're kind of more, so sometimes they're more kind of like move over. This is my show. But it's always better when it's someone who's very welcoming and sweet. Yeah, so it was great. I mean, Dexter was great, too, and I was a co-star on that. Like, it's different. Like, when I was on iCarly, I was a guest star, so everybody was much more like, hey, it's nice to meet you. Like, all of the leads came over, and I mean, they were super friendly, too, but they were like, you know, come over and hang out, and we'll show you where set school is if you have to go to school. And, like, they were just cool. We played, like, card games and stuff on breaks and, and just hung out, and they were really nice. But normally when I do like a co-star, it kind of isn't like that. You're usually just kind of yeah, sit in your trailer, kind of <laughs> you wait. 
And, um, and sometimes it's worse than that. Like I did an episode of 90210 and I really just felt unwelcome to be honest. And that was really heartbreaking because I was such a fan of the show growing up and then the remake happened and I was excited to be on it, but nobody knew who I was or why I was there because I was just in like one or two little scenes. And so they just kind of, it was awkward. It was like, what? Yeah. Like I sat down in one of the chairs in like video village and they were like, Oh, well that's my seat or whatever kind of a thing. I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I just just didn't know that. Like I just sat down and it didn't have your name on it. So yeah. (laughs) But it's one of those things like, you know, that they have a certain way of doing things and they have a lot of stress and things on their plate with all the dialogue and stuff. That's a fast moving show. So I try to cut them some slack, but when you get on a show like Superstore, where it is a really fast-moving show as well, but they're just, they were so nice. I mean, Days of Our Lives was another one. They were so kind and You know, um, my, old, my old boss um, is, was the executive producer of Days of Our Lives, and, and they are great on that team. I will say that. Just great. so nice. Yeah. They're real classy Hollywood people. I, I don't know if I told you this, but I went to USC for business cinematic arts, and you know, I was mentored by so many incredible old Hollywood people. And, you know, like in the midst of Me Too and all this stuff, like all these incredible like female executives really came forward and like wanted to help like, you know, foster relationships with young women coming up in the industry. And I think that it was a great time to be in Hollywood. And that those sort of teams, they're really classy and they really they just treat you great on set no matter who yeah. you are. 100 percent. Yeah, I love that for you. Like, that's incredible. And like, where are you trying to take all these experiences with your career? Because clearly you're popping off on TikTok and all social media. You know, you're verified everywhere. You're a creator on YouTube. You're making all this content. Where where are you trying to take everything ultimately with your career? Because obviously you have the fan base. You have the eyes on you. Um, Where where are you taking this? Well, I would... I would love to one day just have my own sitcom. Like that's kind of my ultimate dream. I would be so here for that. Like I just, I I grew up loving Seinfeld and just wanting to be like Jerry Seinfeld. Like, well, you won't guess who my boyfriend was on set with a few days ago. I can't say who, but it's someone involved with that. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. He's an actor. So as I said, sad, but yeah, you, you love Seinfeld, huh? You love it. Yeah. And it was just, that was like the, the, the feel for me growing up. I, I just thought like, man, it would be a dream to have a show like that, that just kept going and they got to choose when they wanted to end it. And yeah, and it they got just... to choose their, their, their own adventure sort of yeah. character in the show. And it was never finalized. Like they always change things around. It's kind of, it's kind of like, um, I mean, obviously it was the precursor for friends and all that stuff, but like, you know, it's kind of set the, set the scene for like comfort TV, I guess you could say, but it's mm-hmm. like not, not necessarily only comfort TV, but it's also genuinely entertaining and you can watch an episode and kind of pick up from anywhere and you will still like understand the characters. And I, I love shows like that. Well, and it's just so iconic with like, you know, the, the soup Nazi and like all the different, I love the soup Nazi. Yeah. Just like their guest stars were even like iconic. Like it was just such a cool show. And so I always thought like one day I just want to have a show like that or be on a show like that, where I can just have this great core group of people around me, comedians that are funny and we can collaborate and just make people laugh. And that would be great. So that's really what I want. Um, Movies are fun and I like working on movies and other TV stuff, but one day I just really want my own sitcom. I feel you. And I think you'd be great as that. You know what I mean? Like you're very entertaining and you're very genuine and, I like how you can play characters, but you're not necessarily just playing a character all the time. Like you're being yourself, like throughout each character you you uh, portray. If that makes sense, like each personality of the dolls that you have and the the puppets. <laughs> I think you re- your personality really shines through, Christine, and you're incredible because it's like you just have this vibe about you. You know, like you don't let things bring you down because, like, I feel like that's the key of someone who's like in entertainment. Like you have to just totally be like oblivious to when they say no not oblivious but more like brush it off quickly when they say no to you or when you have a long like dry spell in the industry with like bookings and like I I just respect that so much because I I it's just it's hard to work this industry and it's hard to stay consistent and even even when you weren't booked for a while you like came back you like got back in the game and you just like topped it on everything you know you just went hard and that's how you got to do it's definitely a thing that happens. Like it ebbs and flows. It's not a, a steady source of work necessarily. I mean, it can be, and that's great if you're lucky enough for it to be. But for most of us who are working in the industry, it's not like you can count on having a job tomorrow. 
And so like, I had that big break um, when I first booked my job to when I started working again and got like a real agent. Then I had a big break after beta house where I got back and there was a writer strike happening and I didn't work for, I think two years or three years. Um, and then I had another big break uh, after an accident that I was in. Uh, then yeah. a bunch of stuff just happened like back to back to back. Like things just kind of fell apart. And that just happens sometimes. Like my manager who was a close friend of mine, um, we lost her to cancer, but I oh my God, also so not just lost my friend. I lost my representation you know, and so I felt guilty about looking for a new manager because it just felt weird and wrong. And so I just kind of had a hard time, like finding a new team and getting with the good with an agent that really understood me. And in the meantime, I was also dealing with health stuff from like head trauma from an accident. Like there's all this stuff going on. And so I just was not booked. I just wasn't booked for work for a while. And then I started doing TikTok. And so it was a really great way to get my creativity back. So TikTok for me, it was like I said, musically at the time, but TikTok for me is more of a way for me to continue to control, like having creative work out there and doing creative content. It's not like my goal was to be a huge TikToker. I mean, that wasn't even a concept when I started doing musically. Like that wasn't a thought, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like. But- you just had to, like, hop on all the new trends. That's kind of how you have to get attention in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I just figured it was something to do, and it made me feel creative, and it made me, like, get in front of people again and do live streams and stuff where, like, I was connecting with an audience and getting that sort of – that thing that I like to do, right? I like to see people laugh or hear people, like, write me in the DMs and say, I was having the worst day today, and then I saw Stunkles do that video about garlic pizza, and it made me laugh. Thank you. You know, and then I was like, oh, this is why I'm here. And then – Yeah, and, like, you kind of get me. brought back in those moments. Like, I feel like we feel so lonely or, like, isolated when we're not on set for a while, but then once we're on set, it's like, oh, back at it, you know? Yeah, so – then I ended up getting a really great team right before the pandemic and or right actually during the pandemic uh, is when I signed with my theatrical agent and, and I've been able to get work and I've worked, you know, I've started working again and that's great. And I, I really missed it, but I didn't feel like I was not performing because I still had all the social media stuff. So, I mean, it's really a blessing to have as much as it is also a curse to deal with like the haters and the negativity that can come with social media Right. There's a lot of it. But there's still a lot of positive things that came from it and the ability to, like, you know, still make people laugh, even though I wasn't booking TV and movies. And it's hard, right? Like, the haters, like, do you, what, what, are, what is your message to people listening about the, uh, about the haters and everything? Like, like, how do you deal with it? They're just in a bad place in their life. People, yeah, people who do the, who have something to say, exactly. It's yeah, people who are being mean and, and cruel to other people, they're not doing it because there's something wrong with, with you. Like, no one's writing me negative messages about me because of me. They're really not. I didn't do anything to anybody to hurt them. They're writing negative messages to me because their life isn't where they want it to be, and they're lashing out because of my exactly. success. And that's what I think most of the time that's what the haters are very or rarely that's like very embittered like it's not even like something just happened to them it's just like their whole life they've just been like that yeah. like, or they're yeah. like you know well i i wish that i was you or i was where you are so i'm not therefore i'm gonna make you feel bad because i feel bad exactly and i always explain to people like when they ask me how i deal with the hate it's kind of like well when you're dealing with people like that it's really hard because you know, we all know that it's just them reflecting how much they wish they could do something like you're doing onto you. And mm-hmm. when you, when people like you and I say that, like, we don't mean like, oh, they want to be a ventriloquist or, oh, they want to be a Jewish rapper or whatever. It's like, right. it, it's not specific to us. It's like, they just want to do something where they can be themselves. They can, they can, um, you know, express themselves and be famous for doing what they love, but they can't because they're not competent enough. They're not happy enough. They're not whatever. Um, they're not securing themselves enough to be able to do it. So they'd rather just hate on us doing what we do than just turn around and say, well, I just do what I want to do because I don't think everyone has the competence or the um, support to be able to do the things that we do. Like, obviously you and I both have great like partners and like, mm-hmm. like pets and like, you know, live in a nice home and everything. Like a lot of these people don't, and they don't have the opportunity 
to feel supported to even go after these things. So I definitely think that's a really good piece of advice, like not to ramble on and on about it, but like there are so many people who don't understand haters and they're like, well, if you have so many haters, you must be doing something wrong. It's like, no, I'm actually doing everything right because they're jealous of what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, there's rare exceptions to that where someone will get a lot of hate because they did do something wrong and it came out in public, but yeah, if you, you no, are that that's person, warranted. that's warranted. That's yeah. different. That's different. But yeah. if you have unwarranted hate coming toward you, then you are doing something right. And it's hard to hear that. I think as as a person who who hasn't wrapped their head around that yet, because I remember in school, like I would get bullied when I was younger for different things, and I would always be told, "Well, it's because they're jealous of you." And I'm like, "Why would it be jealous of me? That's stupid. Of course, that's not why." They just don't like me because, you know, because I'm overweight or because I'm ugly or whatever they were saying. Like, I would take it to heart and be like, they don't like me for that reason. And I wouldn't believe anybody who said it otherwise. And now as an adult, I look back and I go, no, they were just jealous. The adults were right. They were jealous. That's facts. <laughs> so people always said that to me and people bullied me when I was really young. And like, it, that's just kind of like the way how it goes, right? Like, you, they're basically jealous because you're doing... What right. they can't do. And when you're in it and it's happening to you, it's hard to see that. It's much easier to see that when you're removed from it and then you can go, oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see it. It's exactly. So if you're if you're listening to this and someone's writing you hate messages in your Instagram or your Twitter or saying things like, you know, you're stupid, like, don't believe them because they are just jealous. And I know it doesn't feel like it, but it's true. It is true. Like Basically, I think that people don't have that sort of um, foresight or that sort of perspective because they've never been in the situation or they're like in denial that people hate them. Like I know so many people who are like, oh, I barely remember high school. Or they're like, oh, I barely remember anything that happened. It's like because they're trying to block it out and they don't want to like acknowledge to themselves that like that is what happened. Like they don't want to take the time to be like, oh, OK, they're Delsa. I'm doing what I want to do. Got it. Yeah, it's funny. I I really remember a lot about high school. <laughs> Same here, girl. I, People I bullied me not, so badly. It was, oh, it was I terrible. could not wait to get out of there. I was like, I want to graduate. I want to graduate as soon as possible. I want to get out of here. Like, I couldn't wait to leave. Totally. Because I, I remember the stuff that happened to me in high school. But I have friends... Uh, well, I have I have friends, but I also have <laughs> people who aren't my friends that I went to high school with that have heard me say that and said, that's not true. You were really popular in high school. And I'm like, I think you're remembering things incorrectly. Yeah, people say that about me, too, because I was, quote unquote, popular because I had hundreds of thousands of Snapchat followers. And I had my own Snapchat show and I had people watching me all the time. But that's not popular. That's just called being well-known. And and it was yeah. hard for me because people would hate on me so much. I went to all-girls school for 10 years. And people bullied me so badly that I literally, like, tried to kill myself. And, like, things were so hard for me because no one understood that I was meant to be a rapper. And that I was meant to be in L.A. That I was meant to be performing and creating this whole world of mine for my fans. And they didn't want to understand it. And you know what? I'm not saying everyone has to understand it. But at least respect when someone's putting in the work to make it happen you know yeah <laughs> like I've been doing this type of stuff since I was like 14 or 15 like music photography creations art and people would always say oh you're so weird or you're so messed up or whatever they would say about me and it's like that's not your place to judge because you don't even do anything one-tenth as much as I do like with 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 my creations my projects my personality everything I've made you know well, there is a chance that if you go back to like your high school reunion or whatever and talk to these people, you know, years, 20 years later, that they're going to say, no, you were super popular. I remember thinking how cool you were all the time. Those are the same people who used to, to torment you. And yep. their memory is different than my memory. <laughs> so I wonder if that might happen to you, too. I feel like that probably happens to more than just me. Yeah, I know. I think. I don't think I'll ever go back to the uh, the high school reunion because I would just rather not be there, period. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I fully agree. They'd be like, no, you were so popular. I'll say my wrist. I'll be like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm not interested in that type of negative engagement. And, like, you know, I want them to miss me and, like, be, be thinking, oh, you know, she was so popular or whatever. Think, think back on me and whatnot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like that's you. It's like, they want to, they want to be like, we were friends and it's like, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it was it was definitely a strange experience going back to my reunion. Yeah, what was that like? <laughs> it was weird. It was super weird. Because everybody's memories of of high school were so different from their perspective than mine was. Yeah, I know. Like it's hard when you're the one who's the creative because you see it from a whole other perspective like you're just so conscious of what's what's going on, you know what I mean? Like you're just so like hyper conscious of what you're doing. Like when you're into theater and that type of stuff, you always know how the audience reacts, you know? Yeah. I think you're right. That's a lot of it. Like you're like watching and you're like, well, I you're, see like, watching that- from the outside almost. Is that some weird? Like watching from the outside? Like that's how I feel. Like people bullied you because you're just different. You know, that's how it is. And like, I think in LA, like coming out here and I don't know if, you know, you could say the same, like, let me know if you feel the same way, but you kind of move out here and you're like, you're kind of isolated. You don't really know anyone. And then as you start to build up your career and your world and what you're doing and all of your um, achievements, people start coming out of the woodwork from the hometown. <laughs> Wait, where are you from again? I'm from Indiana. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm from Maryland. So I feel you, girl. <laughs> We're like so far removed from Hollywood. And then you come here and then everyone's like, oh, I liked you. I remember that. And you're like, no, you bullied me. Remember? Right. No, definitely. It's very funny because. Yeah, yeah, definitely feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what were what was that like for you? Like when you were on iCarly, where people were all sorts of people like Facebook message requests, like yes. and you were like, Jesus. Well, it's funny. I used to just say yes to pretty much every Facebook request because oh, no. most of the time it was people from my hometown who knew me, and I didn't always know them, but like. No, that's I, what I had, and I had to clean my Facebook out from thirty eight hundred friends to five hundred like the other day. Yeah, well, I definitely have stopped that because of all of the stuff going on in L.A. My hometown is is very different than L.A. And and there are very different people with very different opinions of what big city life and culture is like. And uh, when I started posting in support of BLM and just different stuff, uh, not Trump, I uh, I really had a rough Facebook time. Like oh, jeez. It, it was rough. And, like, I don't really have a problem with people having their own political beliefs. Like, that's fine. But I do have a problem with them coming onto my Facebook and ripping into me and my friends about our beliefs because they don't agree with them. And that was what was really happening. And it was tough. I mean, I was like, why did I say yes to these people? I don't even know this person. <laughs> Yeah, the thing. And I'm like, you know, I don't I don't care. You're welcome to your own beliefs. But like, get off my wall. Exactly. Like, keep that to yourself. Like, you are welcome to be you are welcome to be a Trump supporter over there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you you do you. I believe in LGBTQ plus rights and BLM and Jewish Lives Matter and all these things. But you go be over there. You 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 just go. You go pat your back with your fellow Trump supporters. Yeah, it's like <laughs> go ahead and do you or like whatever, but like don't don't come on to to my don't push my it on us. Like if you're promoting equality, you can push. I feel like you can push that out, but don't be pushing out conservative like conser- I won't even say conservative like, like extremist. Don't be putting out extremist yeah. values onto people's Facebook walls. Like come on, right? Well, and and I think that some people because of where they were from and like you know growing up with with that sort of um that was everybody i mean like everybody around me growing up like that was kind of the way it was like you know i was warned not to go to certain cities because there were a lot of black people there but that's not the word people use to describe black people where i'm from and so oh, like, jesus no, yeah no no, like, no 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 it was, no, no. <laughs> it was a rough place to grow up and try to remain like not racist <laughs> yeah like yeah I mean, that's hard man like I feel that, like, being in Bethesda, Maryland, like, they definitely, like, quote-unquote pushed for equality for everybody, but, you know, it was a very white place, and very Jewish place as well, so, like, you know, it was, like, really just Jews and white people, so there weren't very many black people, there weren't very many Muslim people, there weren't very many people from different countries, you know what I mean, so people weren't as accustomed to that, and, you know, I understand being uneducated, but I think at this point in our society where we have the internet on this level, I think everyone should be, you know... um, Equal. <laughs> and everyone should understand that. <laughs> and know? that's another thing. Like, when I grew up, we did not, like, when I was in school, what we didn't really. Don't have internet like that. 
My boyfriend, my boyfriend just heard me say t- saying this, and he said we don't have internet like that, and that's the problem. Um, are you talking about internet access for these people? Yes. Yeah, these. I don't think these people have access. They don't. They're not seeing the same things that we're seeing. Because I, I said that, and then the second I said that, he 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 chimed in from the other room. He will meet you sometime. We'll have you over for a drink or two, and bring your cats, and we'll all have a jolly good time. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. Jordan just brought up in the other room, cooking us some food, uh, because it's like they probably just get the news articles that are like yes. that are like uh, what one America news and uh, zero heads. Like they're watching Fox. <laughs> they're watching Fox, exactly. And that's they need, what it they is need to change from. the search results so it can be like that. You know what I mean? It's it is. It's really it's really hard because on one hand, like I want to be supportive of all these people uh, in in the sense that like if they want to be a friend with me on Facebook, okay, I I accepted them. So even if I don't know them, but they know me because I grew up in their town, you know, and that they've seen me on TV. Like, that's cool. But then don't come on and do, don't be, you know, ignorant on my Facebook wall and get in arguments and tell me and my friends and expect to stay on there and be my friend. Like, no, this is not a disagreement that I am okay with, prom- like, supporting. Like, this is not like, yeah. is the color red better than the color blue? Right, you exactly. Can, you can live with that. Like, if you think that it's okay to hate someone for who they are, you are allowed to have that opinion. I can't change that about you, but I don't have to be around you or support you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like, kind of what happened. I posted something on Instagram today. I always talk about this in the podcast, like the cheesy Instagram posts I, I make and the quotes and whatever. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of quotes that are cheesy because they're said for a good reason. And, you know, the quote, let me pull it up. It says, distance yourself from those whose closeness drains you and I totally feel that like if you draining me girl I don't owe you anything like I don't I don't owe you I don't owe you any reason to be you know interacting with you like that and I don't owe the world any reason for me to be a specific way that they're telling me to be if I want to be a badass equality supporting Jewish rapper queen I can be and it's not your problem and I'm not making your problem girl unfollow I already got Almost right? 25,000 followers. I don't need you following, girl. I'm good. <laughs> no, nah, exactly. And that's kind of the thing that was hard. So because of the small town where I grew up and everybody doing that thing where you they're said. Very conditioned, just... very conditioned. Exactly. Yeah. But they like decided, oh, I'm going to follow Christine because I know her from TV and she grew up here. So she should be my friend. And then all this happened with the politics and stuff. And I was just like, no, I can't anymore. So you were I like, I can't. Just... And I don't like, accept you know, anybody I don't know well. Like, I have you know, to know you yeah, well. Sometimes you have to go through your Facebook friends and be like, do I kind of know them and they might be a good connection for me later? Okay, keep. Or do I kind of know them and they might be a good connection for me later, but they are misogynistic or um, politically incorrect in some way? Okay, I'm not going to follow them. I'm, I'm going to unadd them because their posts will anger me or bother me in some way. You yeah. know what I mean? I, you have to take a look at yourself and say, you know what? I need to set time for myself to have self-care. I need to be able to you know, um, meditate, breathe, have my life, not be like worried about these stupid people getting in my way. You know, it's like, you can't have these people taking up the space in your life when someone else who, who's actually helping you could be doing that. Exactly. On, even on the note of like, could that person help me in the future? Like, is that a good connection in the industry? I got to the point where I was just like, do I really want to work with them though? Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like if they're a good connection and they didn't bother me, okay, that, that's fine. You know, we're yeah. not great friends, but that's fine. But if it's someone who rubbed me the wrong way or they, they did something inappropriate toward me, um, whether it's, you know, I've been, I've been sexually harassed by men on sets I've, and, and, yeah. and uh, performances, you know, um, I've been verbally um, talked down upon by men who are uncomfortable with me being, um, you know, a woman who looks different than most people, you know, I have my own look. You know, if, if I rubbed you the wrong way and it's just because of me being me, you know, I don't need you in my life. Like, yeah, I don't, exactly. you're the problem. <laughs> if everyone else is okay with me and you're not, you're the problem, honey. <laughs> right. Definitely. That's like the facts. And like, that's just how it is. You know, like we, we have to move forward with our lives and accept ourselves for who we are. And we can't, um, you know, keep hanging on to this dead baggage. And something my, my therapist always says to me is like, you got to cut the dead weight. Like, if you have to, you know, stay up all night and edit a video, okay, you have to do it because it has to come out tomorrow, right? Then you have to do that. But let's say there's a workout you don't have to do or there's someone you don't have to talk to or there's something you don't have to do. You know, you can always push it to next week or next month or next year if you don't have to do it right the second. And 
And that same goes for people, you know, you have to cut out dead weight of people who aren't serving you or adding anything, or they're just causing stress or clogging your emotional uh, receptors, like your chakras, like, if your chakras are clogged, and they're all like blocked, like, you can't be receiving the energy flow from life that you need to receive, like you're going to be constantly stuck in like this terrible energy loop. And you're never going to be able to like, recover from that. And I think that's part because you know our societies and when we're from small towns kind of encourage us oh except you know all the people who are part of your community and you know that's always like including the people who are negative for us or their toxic energy and we just have to like you know cut them out if we have to 100 percent. i think so i think so <laughs> but um you know if you want to leave any any people um uh, listening from your fan base and my westies and all all these people um, on the podcast, you know, what, what would be one piece of advice you leave everyone with? Like, you know, as, as um, just as a person, even as an actress, ventriloquist, social media queen that you are, you know, just as a person, like anything, any final thoughts? And I would love if you plugged your socials after that, by the way. Uh, I a hundred percent think it's important for people to always follow their dreams and follow your dreams. Do. do it. Like, my favorite meme, too, is, I guess, a meme. It's a, the little frog is being swallowed by the bird, and he's strangling the bird, and it says, never give up. Yeah. Like, I live by that. Like, you have to go after That's... what it is you want and never give up. If you give up, you're, you're, you're going to, like, be on your deathbed and think, do I have regrets? Are you going to regret the things you did or the things you didn't do? Yeah, and you're <laughs> always going to regret the things you didn't do. Like exactly. Exactly. So definitely, you know, follow, go after the things you want and don't give up. And I don't mean that in like a stalker way. If it's like a girl or a guy, maybe give up if they say no enough. Yeah. (laughs) But other than that, like if it's like a goal for you to like be a singer or be a dancer or be an architect or be a doctor, like don't let things get in your way. Like go after what it is you want to do. You have to. And like no matter what it is, like I think. That applies to everything. Like, I feel like when people say follow your dreams, they just think entertainment or be an astronaut or be a painter or something, you know, that seems far off from normal society um, and, you know, just like nine to five job. But, you know, following your dreams could be like working at a tractor plant, whatever. I don't know. Like, whatever you want to do, just do it. Don't do it because it looks cool on social media or whatever. Yeah, like, if you want to be a farmer, be the best farmer you can be, like, do that. Like, if your goal is to be the manager at Kmart, that's okay. Well, maybe not Kmart because I think they closed, but Uh, the Superstore. Yeah. (laughs) You're not like a Superstore day manager like Glenn. Definitely. Like, whatever it is that your goal is, don't let other people tell you what your goal is. Let your, your truth is the thing you should follow. It is, um, and you should follow that. Yes, exactly. You should also follow me on social media. Go follow Christine Barger. Plug yourself, Queen. <laughs> you can follow Christine Barger on Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook. And if you follow me on Instagram, it's Christine Barger Official. I did not get my name on Instagram. But I'm Christine Barger on YouTube. And if you want to follow my cats, my cats are Bagheera Fun on TikTok and Instagram. Oh my god, I love that. Um, you should check out Boba's account, by the way. Boba the Hollywood Power Cat. You'll love her. We take her everywhere like a dog because she's oh, that's, that's awesome. My is. cats do she not is. leave the apartment, but really? they are still cute. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's adorable too. I will make sure to give them a follow actually right now. Um, and thank you so much, Christine, for coming on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed her a lot. And make sure to go check out all of her stuff. Like, obviously, we we just uh, hit the tip of the iceberg there with all the amazing stuff she's done. So um, check out her social media and her IMDb to like go, I guess, snoop into what she does and check out her whole life on the internet. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me here today. Thanks everybody of course, for listening. Girl, it was great to meet you in the post office doing my taxes. You know, everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, we'll definitely be in touch. And if you ever need a rapper for any reason, I got you, man. <laughs> awesome all right peace hey bye